2007. Los Angeles. The city has changed. Cops rule the day. Punks rule the night. And one man wants to rule them all. There's only one thing he needs to succeed. This is only half Find me the other half now. And look who's got it. It magnifies the power inside you. This half gives power over the body. All right, so where's the on button? Now, two brothers will stop at nothing to protect their half. Look out! And a madman will stop at nothing to possess it. You're gonna love this. Let's have some fun. Who wants gum? If they succeed, they're heroes. But if he does, they're history. Welcome to They Call This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Call This a Movie. We're part of the Main Damie Network, and to find more from us, check out the website at themaindamie.com or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at themaindamie. We're also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation, and you can find them at gvnation.com. Welcome to They Call This a Movie. I am Anthony Delvecchio, and with me, as always, is Mark Myers and Dan Aquino. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey, everybody. I want to apologize real quick. I'm coming down with a cold, so I might sniff few times so my apologies uh beforehand yeah you guys might need to cover the first couple minutes here i need to plan out my next five years of friday nights so a second Uh, untitled marvel movie untitled live action disney movie okay i think i'm done what's up oh mark (laughs) your your bits of the last three weeks have been you doing other things (laughs) well not much has happened in the news to make you know to make like, your fire entrances yeah like i i had the gold of when the uh the uh the celebrities were photoshopping their kids on the crew team members to get them into college that was good news for this yeah oh simpler times back then yes the the, the one the woman from team mom 2 was fired from mtv I don't, that's good news i think right <laughs> Uh, well, no, now she's this... an unemployed teen mom. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Another woman <laughs> just suckling at the government teat. Jeez. <laughs> For once, it wasn't me making a derogatory uh, statement. Uh, did you hear why she was fired? No, I don't know who this uh, This is all news to me. Did you hear about the story? The, uh, the husband, they took their dog out and shot it because it nipped at their daughter. Did no. you hear that story? No. Yeah. No. So that's is... that's why she was like, oh, her, yeah, her, it, yeah. This podcast just took a dark turn, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this isn't even our Teen Mom podcast. I know those usually air every uh, Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I just found out now. So. Goodness gracious! Thanks for bringing this down. I don't. I don't even know. I don't even know how to to, to swerve from this. <laughs> well, we, we can talk this... about from one dead dog to some dead acting or an acting yeah, some acting just... that was dead on arrival or wow i gotta be honest with you guys this is a team effort to have one of our worst openings ever <laughs> <laughs> all right well, well this has been they call this a movie we're gonna try again next week <laughs> uh, and hopefully we can do better 
because you guys deserve better. Um, uh, talk about Teen Mom or Dead Dogs or um, trying to segue with a dead acting reference. Um, okay. What about a couple dead careers? Oh my goodness! Let's just push through. <laughs> so this, this is the motif this... for this podcast. It's Ooh, dead. Man. Death. Ooh, just. All right, I'm just gonna I'm gonna soldier through. <laughs> you're you're gonna have to deal with both Mark and I tonight. <laughs> so this week coming out in the theaters is uh, Pokemon's Detective Pikachu. So um, yeah. that in combination with the Sonic the Hedgehog news um, makes it a perfect perfect week to do a video game movie. And rather than to do Super Mario Brothers or Tomb Raider or one of the nine Resident Evil movies there happens to be, we decided to go in the Wayback Machine, the year 1994, and Double Dragon. Yeah. Um, so. Could you say Dragon again? Double Dragon. Double Dragon. Double Dragon. Is that, is that your uh, Pennsylvania coming through now? Uh, I hope not. <laughs> Double Dragon. Um, so, yes, 1994 is Double Dragon. Uh, gentlemen, uh, what is your experience with either this movie or the video game? I've played most of the video games. I played the old one, and I also played the... My favorite was the Double Dragon and Battletoads game for Super Nintendo. Uh, I never saw this movie, though. But I'd seen... I'd seen other... Like, I'd seen clips of it, and it looked pretty terrible. Very cheap. It reminded me of a Bill and Ted type of feel. And it's exactly what we, we get, I think. Okay. Yeah. So, um, like most, I've played probably the first two levels of Dun- uh, Double Dragon um, before either you just get bored of it or it just gets way too hard, especially at the age when that game came out. Um, and then in terms of the movie itself, um, I remember renting it from Blockbuster because I was that was Super Mario Brothers movie you know, it was Double Dragon, and, you know, it was one of those things where you walk through the blockbuster and you see something you recognize and pick up. Um, I remembered a lot of it, except for, for some reason, I had completely forgotten that Alyssa Milano was in this movie. That was <laughs> so a nice it was brought up. Yeah. Um, all, cause all I, uh, the only girl I remembered is the, is the, uh, the sister, um, from Satori. Yes, yeah, Satori. That that I because I haven't seen this movie since the, probably mid mid to late nineties so um, that was a nice surprise and that this was like I guess I prime her trying to get out of the who's the boss shell at this yeah, point yeah she was tw- she was twenty two at the time yeah, yeah she looked so, younger yep. that's possible I'm not twenty two yeah, she looked good yeah and yeah. it was you know it was one of those where at the time I loved it as a kid because you know and then you know watching it again I'm like ah. This is really nothing like the game at all. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I personally have never played. I don't think I've ever played a single double uh, double dragon. Um, I believe you know. My, maybe once I rented it, but I, I don't remember it. Um, in terms of the beat 'em up games in the NES, I was more a River City Ransom guy. Um, but I don't honestly ever remember this movie coming out. I know of it lately. I know Red Letter Media did an episode on it. But other than that, um, yeah, I don't know how this movie escaped me in 1994. I feel like it would have been right up my alley. Yeah, you um, were old enough where you could have gone I, and seen this. Yeah, I would have been nine. 
This yeah. would have been, but I have no recollection of this movie existing in at that period of time. So uh, never saw it. Um, so it was pretty fresh for me. And it, I, I think this movie's um, reputation precedes it just a little bit. Um, it currently has a 3.7 on IMDb, which is one of the lowest we've had on here. And I don't think it's as bad as some some movies that we've seen that probably yeah, has that's true. Uh, better ratings. It has an eight on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, this movie is not good by any stretch of the imagination. There are entertaining moments. I think it it skews a little too young. Um, I mean, obviously, it's a video game movie, especially in the early '90s. They're gonna they're gonna skew young, like less than teenagers. But I think this movie would have been better if it skewed just a little bit older, like maybe in like the 14, 15 year old range. Yeah. Um you know but, you know they're gearing it towards much younger people when they keep calling everyone butthead. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely uh a, a just kind of a subdued kind of they it seems like they wanna go a little more fourteen, fifteen year old, like a PG thirteen. But they do they do say shit in this movie. Which once. is once, which is kind of indicative of the time period more than it is about the movie. Um but uh, yeah, it um, yeah, Mark. It seems like you wanted to chime in and say something. Yeah, yeah. With, with this movie, it now I would have to actually look back and read on the plot of the game, well, plot and quotes of the game, because um, everybody remembers how it opens. Um, for those of you that don't, the um, the game opens with the the main villain of the that game killing. Um, I believe it's one of their girlfriends. I think it's Jimmy's girlfriend. Um, they like shoot her with a shotgun <laughs> and, um, you know, and that's what sets them off to go fight. So, um, without reading the plot over, I think they tried to go more with a, a to, to keep it in the kids realm, more of a story of a legend and something you would tell as a bedtime story or, you know, something like that, that a, a father would pass to a child, um, as they do, um, in this movie, um, and then the sister just drops one on them all at once. But, you know, they went to try to go more mystical route than just a revenge story. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I just I thought it worked in parts, but I, I think it they really it really lacked any motivation from those guys to do what sure. they were doing. Yeah. They should have just got out of the city. <laughs> uh, this movie is directed by James Yukich. Uh does not have a very long list in terms of feature films. He was essentially a music video director in the 80s. He basically did every Phil Collins and Genesis music video after 1983. Uh, but most importantly, he directed Bruce Willis's The Return of Bruno. Okay. I don't uh, know that movie. There's <laughs> a, is a mockumentary of uh, Bruce Willis's um, music career. Um, story oh, okay. by Paul Dini. Oh, famous comic book writer. Famous comic book writer and screenplay by Peter Gould, who is an exec producer on Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Wrote a bunch of episodes for both shows. It stars Scott Wolf as Billy Lee, Mark DeCascos as Jimmy Lee, Robert Patrick as Koga Shuko, Alyssa Milano as Marion, Julia Nixon as Satori, and Christina Wagner as Linda Lash. Um, before we get into the plot, um, 
you know, what's your Dan? How, how are you feeling about this movie? Uh, already, I could tell you the the problem right off the bat is the casting with the main actors uh, Billy and Jimmy Lee. Uh, I don't understand why Scott Wolf was cast in this. Was it because of uh, what what was he in? It's not nine hundred two one zero, right? That's um, he was Party of Five. Party of Five. So is he kind this of this is still pre Party of Five though. Okay, because I was gonna say, is he writing that? Oh, it's just party about the same time. So this is probably shot before Party of Five, but this was Party of Five starts in '94 as well. So I think this could have been a movie where I don't mind Mark uh, Mark DeCascos in it. He's not too bad. Yeah. But I, I think maybe this could have been a movie where you you have uh, Robin. What's that guy's name from Beverly Hills Ninja and Mortal Kombat? He plays Luke Kang. Okay. Yeah. The, the the one problem becomes, and I had to just look this up while you were talking, um, is that the brothers is it does it is one white, one Asian. In the video game. In the video game. Okay. So um, I didn't know that until I just looked it up because <laughs> mm-hmm. I I was like, there has to be a reason they did that um, because Scott Wolf's not the actor that you drop like the whitewashing of a role for. <laughs> right. I, I I just I think they could have gotten someone better. Yes. I'm hundred percent agree. Uh, Scott Wolf gets off on the wrong foot too in his first scene because he cannot sell the fighting at all, especially in comparison to Mark Dacascos. Exactly. Yeah, he. I wouldn't say he's amazing, but for this movie, yes, I would agree with that. He is much more believable than Scott Wolf. Uh, Scott Wolf looks like he took a week or two training with the fight scenes and just learning martial arts. But even, even Alyssa Milano looks better than him in, in her sort of. Scenes. Yeah, yeah, she does a better she does a better job than him. Uh, I thought Robert Patrick was okay. I I tolerated him for the first part of the movie, and then he kind of gets too over the top. Like there, there's a scene. Uh, I'm sure we'll get to it later when he attacks Billy and uh, Billy and Jimmy at their home turf. And he just kind of gets his ass kicked, and it, it's very unbelievable the way he does it. it. He doesn't sell it very well. Like he gets drop kicked through a, a backdrop, and then he just like pops through the backdrop again, and it's like very cartoonish. So right off the bat, I wasn't a fan with the casting, uh, and we we touched on obviously the choreography, the fighting. It's not very good. It, it has moments for sure, especially with Mark. Not not Myers, uh, DeCascos. Yeah. Although Mark is a very good fighter as well. Yes, that's what <laughs> I, that's what everyone knows me for. Yeah, that that's why we became friends. <laughs> you you have my back. You're my bodyguard. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, there there's a lot of problems with this movie, and yeah. just, like right off the bat, you have the actors are not. I think they could have gotten better. Who yeah. they? I think that I gotta look up that guy's name because I think he would have done a better job because he's actually known for his martial arts. I don't yeah. think Mark DeCascos yeah. is. And then, then on my end with uh, with Christina Wagner, it gave me a very Mark's memory of actors moments, which always embarrasses him, and I'm not afraid to say it. But immediately I looked, I was like, that looks like the girl from General Hospital. <laughs> I'm, pretty I, I, sure, I'm pretty sure that's the girl from General Hospital. And I then I looked it up and it was, was... I actually thought she was the wife from Curb Your Enthusiasm. 
<laughs> no. Nope. Uh, because that, that comes up later. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about a scene later. Are you talking about the General Hospital uh, reference? Yeah. As well yeah. as the Who's the Boss reference? reference. Yeah. Um, Mark, so, I kind of have to ask now, though. Yeah. What is your relationship to General Hospital? <laughs> um, my mom and my grandmom still watches it today. So it used to be on every time I got home from school. Okay. So, so and I have just have a, I just have a real good thing with faces, which helps me in in my actual job outside of this to remember names with faces. So you know when I when I saw it, I was like, wait a second, I know that face, and it's going to suck if it's who I think it is. Okay, you keep and, your uh, secrets. Right. Keep your, keep your secrets. I mean, I won't lie. And, <laughs> I, I won't lie and say I didn't watch it while doing my homework. But do you that know? Was the only do you know thing. like specific storylines that this woman was involved in? Do you want me to give you her name because I knew that immediately when it popped up? Sure. <laughs> it's Felicia. Felicia. Yeah. Okay. She's yeah. still on General Hospital, apparently. I think she came back. Yes. Wow! Look at that, Felicia Scorpio. Apparently. Yeah, she was Felicia Jones back then. But anyway. <laughs> we're learning a lot. We're learning a lot about Mark in this podcast. Oh, they also did a crossover in, in 1998 with Port Charles, where she played Felicia Jones. Yeah, yeah. The yeah the the one funny thing about and last little tangent about General Hospital sidetrack is that all all the things I heard while covering minor league baseball of all things is that it's one of the things that um in the uh, locker room of the St. Louis Cardinals that they just have on like during pregame warmups and all. Like, okay. I was like, oh, what do they have on there? Like, Sports Center? And I was like, no, nah, it's usually General Hospital. Okay. I'm like, I she have. Surprisingly, has not done much else besides Double Dragon and General, General Hospital. Uh, the, the actor's name is Robin Shue, by the way. Yeah. Robin Shue. So I, I had to look that up. <laughs> All right. Uh, if there's nothing else, uh, we want to go right into the plot. Do, do it. it. Okay. So we open. On uh, voiceover by Robert Patrick as the villain, named by Kogashuko, which uh, whitewashing a little much, right? Uh, although they well, that's do, not his real name. Right. They do uh, retcon it a little bit down the line that he, his real name is a very white person's name. I don't even remember what his name is. Like something like Geisman? George Eastman or something. It's like, like Geistman or something like yeah. that. Uh, it looks like Dan is confused. I believe it's raining, Dan, if that's what you're hearing. You all right? Dan? Uh, I had to. I had to mute. I had to. Okay. I had to do something. Why? What happened? No, I just saw your face. I thought it was. All right. So um, we'll just pick it back up. Okay. Yeah. So, keep going. Uh, so he, the, his voiceover is explaining the origins of the double dragon. Essentially, it's a powerful medallion given to an emperor's two sons. Uh, one half of it gives the power of the body, and the other one gives the power of the soul. Uh, it was broken up and uh, separated. And it is Shoku's mission to find both halves and become a powerful being. And I believe eventually down the line we find out that his his main purpose is just to become the leader of New Angeles. He just wants to become the supreme leader of a city, an American yeah, he, city. Is that too much wants, to ask? Is it? Is it? He, yeah, he, he wants total domination of one U.S. city, one major U.S. city. So he sends his henchmen to... Somewhere in China, officially, uh, to find one half of it. Um, they find it. They think that they found exactly what he's looking for. But fortunately for them, it's only one of it. So he gets a little pissed off. They only find one half of this. And that's where you meet his uh, his henchman, specifically Lash, played by uh, Christina Wagner. I think that's her name, right? Yep. 
Christina Wagner. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the henchman from uh, Die Hard. Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Al, Al Young, uh, who also was a henchman in Lethal Weapon, and he played Genghis Khan in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Um, he's the guy who eats the crunch bar, right? The one guy from Die Hard. Yeah. He's behind the behind the uh, the desk, and then he steals the candy. Yep, classic, classic that guy. So uh, he get so Shoku gets pissed off that um, he only has one half, and he sends his henchmen out to find the other half. Then we cut to um, some news report, and we basically kind of get a plot uh, description. In this moment, it is Los Angeles in 2007, which has been devastated by an earthquake. Um, it is now New Angeles, and it's been split into a whole bunch of different, I guess, uh, quadrants or like smaller cities, essentially. Yeah. Uh, most of which is underwater, including Hollywood. Um, at this moment, we get we kind of get some establishing so- shots of what the city looks like, and actually, this the matte paintings of New Angeles are actually really well done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah some so, of the ba- some of the backdrops are are pretty interesting. Yeah. We yeah. get. Um, find out that Vanna White and George Hamilton have now taken on uh, new uh, careers as news people, as well as Andy Dick as the smog meteorologist, which is yeah. a is a weird cameo. <laughs> was he was he famous by this point? I feel like news radio might have just started. Yeah. That's one thing I wanted to look up right before we got on, but I never did. Yeah, um, yeah but it, it was so, just... It was fun. It, it the the little references like we already talked about two of them happened throughout. It felt very much like a um, you know someone that was just having fun with the script and not really taking it too seriously. Because there's like Madonna references and um, it's all very dated. dated. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, very dated. It's n- it's never a good thing when you have Andy Dick make a cameo in your movie. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he was uh, he was on the Ben Stiller show at that point, okay. but News Radio was still a year away. Was uh, this was this before he was known as like a huge kind of like a prick? Yeah, this was before that. I feel like the I feel like after Phil Hartman died was kind of when that was um, realized. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of stories about that. Yeah, um, but. Uh, then we cut to a martial arts tournament happening in a uh, abandoned warehouse, I guess. That's where we meet Billy and Jimmy Lee fighting in a martial arts tournament for money. Billy is played by Scott Wolf, who's an idiot and super hateable just immediately right yes. off the bat. <laughs> Very he, much so. Jimmy Lee is played by Mark Dacascus, and he's obviously uh, the only one of the two that has any actual martial arts training. Because Scott Wolf can't even sell a simple like haymaker. Uh, <laughs> he he telegraphs his punches so badly. Yeah, um, and he actually gets them disqualified for no good reason. Like we're given a no. Yeah, like <laughs> he's yeah. got to know that's against the rules. He just decides to sucker punch one guy, jump on his back, and give him a noogie. Just like, well, what? Why the fuck are you fighting if you're not gonna take it seriously, dude? Just, I, just having a little fun, man. I didn't understand this fight because it looked like a two-on-one. It was a tag team martial arts fight. Right, but the other guy never tagged out or anything. Did he? Have, he, he... I think he does once in the beginning. 
in the very oh, okay. beginning of the fight. Okay. So I, did, I didn't see him tag out because I was confused. I was like, why is this guy taking on two people? Yeah, and I, I couldn't I couldn't understand the scoring system. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess if you <laughs> if you knocked the guy to the ground, it was three points. Nowadays, yeah. this would be called a plot hole. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> movie doesn't make any sense. So many plot holes. I don't even know what the scoring system's about in their martial arts fight. Um, <laughs> this is post-apocalyptic martial arts fight. This is kind of like I. This where it feels like a missed opportunity because we think this is gonna. We I I felt like the martial arts like tournaments were gonna play a bigger part in this movie than yeah. than it winds up being because this is really the only tournament we ever see them in. Yeah. Uh, so it was kind of weird that we start off with this. It's like a a defining moment where we where we see them fighting. Um, and then we never see them fighting for any sort of like money or tournament or anything like that ever again. So it's just kind of weird that this is like the first time we meet our two heroes. Um, yeah, it, it's implied that they're doing it for cash value, like the, right. the, the prize money. Yeah. So you would assume that they live off of that, but they, they never make mention of it again. Yeah. Which is also one of the why it's weird that Scott Wolf would just throw the fight essentially. And he was very cavalier about it, too, after they lose. He was like, yeah, knock, who cares, bro? It's fine. No biggie. Well, you just cost us dinner, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Now I gotta eat rats or something. <laughs> right. Uh, so we this is uh, where we meet Satori, too, who's some sort of adoptive mom. Not sure if it's a sister or... They say she's, she's like, the only family they have. Um, but it's unclear what their actual relationship is. Yeah. Um... I'm thinking that it just has something to do with their father and the double dragon medallion that she's supposed to be their protector more than anything. Yeah, um, yeah I, she might have just been a friend of the father. Yeah. So uh, after they get disqualified, um, Billy starts to fight with the the other martial artists that they were fighting against. Uh, they get into like kind of a a brawl, which keeps them out after curfew, and this is kind of where we get the setup that now. Um, the daytime streets are run by the cops. The nighttime streets are run by the gangs. And the gangs are kind of like these really cheap warriors type versions yeah, of gangs. I was just say it's it turns into poor man's warriors at, yeah. at this point. So we get like the the Mohawks are a gang. The the clowns are a gang. Are a gang yeah. uh, there's some Power other ones. Uh, Power Corps is kind of like the good gang. It's more like a, an activist group um vigilante justice kind of yeah thing. and they're out at a, after curfew they get accosted by one of the gangs mohawks um and a bobo is one of the leaders of the the mohawk gang it, tries yeah. to steal satori's uh half of the double dragon um yeah. and, and this is one of the first references uh to the game outside their name because that's the uh first boss right. that you fight in double dragon now in his profile it says he could bench press 800 pounds. Yes. Yeah. He does not look... He looks like a strong guy, but I don't believe he could bench press 800 pounds. Is that, is that something from the video game, Mark? Is that like a, yeah, is well, a profile on him? Yeah, and he uh, he basically turns... It, he basically is what he turns into later in the game, from the okay. beginning in the game um, in the movie. You know, that, that monstrosity thing is what he looks like. Well, not as terrible as that looks, but... Mm -hmm. Um, he has that bigger physique in the game. Uh, and it, he has a good profile when he's in the deformed. Yeah. Uh, the uh, I guess his final form. 
He has a good uh, profile, but he looks absolutely ridiculous. But... <laughs> um, so he tries to snatch the, the medallion. Satori is able to uh, kind of fight him off, and then they have a, uh, a car chase where we learn, like, all cars are running on garbage. Um, Very Back to the Future 2-esque. Yeah. Eventually, they get they, they crash in a alley, and just before a Bobo is going to, like, uh, murder them or steal steal the medallion. Uh, the power cores show up, um, and they fight them off with the with the leaves. And uh, a Bobo and his his go- other goon kind of run off after that. Uh, this is when we meet Marion, played by Alyssa Milano, who is, uh, I guess, Scott Wolf's on again, off again girlfriend. They're kind of yeah. will they won't do won't they yeah. sort of, but they're sort of like asexual too at the same time. Um, they don't yeah, fully commit to the relation, the romance part of of this movie. Uh, they do have a moment uh, towards the end of the second act, but it's really just kind of like you don't really know who she's really into or yeah. who's into her until it, until Scott Wolf has a moment with her. It was a slight nod to the game because that is the girlfriend um, in the game. She looks completely different in the game. Um, I just looked it up. Um, Not enough pixels. The show out. No, because she she looked she, she looked is so thick. Yeah. She looks good in this movie. I was. This is the saving grace of Double Dragon. Yeah, yeah she, she looks she a looks lot more. Despite the haircut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She looks a lot more damsel in distress in the video game than she does in this movie. The, the, they sexualize her right off the bat because she she goes to pick up this like tracking device left over by the Mohawk. Uh, a bobo? Is it a dobo yeah. or a bobo? A bobo. A bobo. So he, I guess, he dumps this tracking device of all the gang members, and as soon as she picks it up, they just they show her they show her butt, and Jimmy and Billy are just kind of you know, whoa, look at that. Yeah, they do they're that, just that. entranced. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so that's one. I think they do it a few times in this movie. So they definitely sexualize her right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she's wearing like so, like weird like cut off shorts, but also like leg warmers or like yeah, like chaps almost. Yeah, it's like yeah. she's missing the back parts of her jeans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when she bends over, like you could see like right up to uh, right up underneath her butt, like right by the cheek area where yeah. you have that little curvature of, yeah. of the cheek. Yeah, you could kind. Of, and we sound so perverted. At least we're I, just, we're just analyzing Alyssa Milano, a young Alyssa Milano's um, wardrobe. Of, of age, Alyssa Milano. Yeah, she's 22, so we're not too creepy. Yes, just creepy enough. <laughs> just a just a dab of creep. Yeah, you know, we we got to keep it tasteful here. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, a bobo goes back to Shuko, and he doesn't realize that the medallion was exactly what um, Shuko was looking for. So Shuko's pretty pissed off that he didn't get it. Um, Real quick. The saving grace for them is that he does now know where the medallion is. But regardless, um, he turns a Bobo into a monster. <laughs> yeah. Real quick. Doesn't Sh- Shuko sound like a like a jobber in the in wrestling? Yeah. It's I yeah. I couldn't get over that because like, I kept thinking of Papa Shango. <laughs> and he's he's not a jobber, obviously, but I was like, yeah, Shuko would sound like some guy who never made it. Coco yeah, Shuko. That, yeah, that, that's a total wrestling name. That's a '90s wrestler. Yeah, which I wouldn't be surprised if 
you know, the people naming fighting char- fighting game characters, you know, come up with the same generic Asian name, you know. Yeah. Like, what are two what are two Asian sounding words we can put together? That's true. You know, like That's Shao Kahn. It's <laughs> a great you know. name. <laughs> Uh, back at their ha- at, back at their home, which is uh, an abandoned movie theater, Satori tells the Lees about the power of the double dragon and the medallion, and tells them they must protect it at all costs. She gives it to Billy, and as she gives it to Billy, Shuko and his goons arrive to try to take the medallion. Uh, so where L- Lash comes back again, I believe a Bobo shows up too. Is now a freak monster, and s- there's some karate guys too. Um, there's a fight. Um, Shuko. Uh, reveals that his medallion gives him the power to possess others momentarily p- possesses satori um but she fights it fights it off um then he douses the entire establishment in gasoline and sets it on fire the lees get away but satori gets blown up in the process um a bobo gets pulled out of the rubble by the power core and taken prisoner uh from there as Lee recovers, Shuko uses his powers to unite the gangs and to send them to kill the Lees, which we get a Michael Berryman cameo. Yeah, um, he was the hill. The hills have eyes, right? Yes, he was. Okay. Yeah, he's also in um, Weird Science, right? Uh, is he? Yeah, we're talking about the same guy that he chokes out. Yeah, he, he force chokes. The weird-headed guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's one of the guys that comes out in the end of Weird Science when the bikers come. Okay. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. Know I know him from the Hills Have Eyes. That, that's. Immediately, that's what came to my mind. Oh, he was on the cover of The Hills Have Eyes. Um, and he's immediately killed. And then uh, Shuko unites the gangs and tells them to hunt the Lees, essentially. Uh, so the gangs uh, set out to hunt the Lees. They're at like a, um, a junkyard, essentially, where the clowns show up, other cosplay guys, even a mailman for some reason. Yeah. The mailman was my favorite part. Special delivery. <laughs> he, he, he takes a nosedive off of a water tower. <laughs> that was a pretty great moment. I think he says like air mail or something like that yeah. as he jumps off the tower. He says special delivery. Yeah. And, uh, and then Billy makes, uh, what is he, uh, he makes the joke. I've never seen the post office uh, go so fast. Or I've never seen a yeah. postman move so fast. Yeah. <laughs> totally yeah. ruined the moment. Yeah. So then... Um, this leads them to hide out in a shack on the water. And for some, this is like the biggest um, spit in the face of the concept of um, the Chekhov's gun when they're when they're in the uh, in the the shack because they find a motorcycle. Yeah. And it immediately it looks really cool and it seems like it's going to play some certain some part in it. And then it just immediately falls to pieces. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it falls. That was apart. really good. It, it's like an armored. It looks like nuclear powered uh, yeah. motorcycle, and it just everything falls apart. It was a total letdown. Yeah. Um. So then they get they find a, a speedboat. So they jump in the speedboat and they try and get away there. Um. Then the gangs have speedboats, so there's a speedboat chase through the Hollywood River. Which is basically Hollywood is underwater, um, which is apparently polluted, so it catches fire pretty easily. Um, for some reason, the boat explodes after running into a uh, highway sign, uh, and then the gang members assume that the Lees have died in that explosion, 
and they tell Shuko that they are dead. Uh, funny thing about this, this was shot on the Cuyahoga River in Ohio, um, which they gave advanced warning to all the citizens uh, along the Cuyahoga River that they were going to set it on fire. Um, regardless <laughs> of that, uh, once they did, they I believe the police got somewhere of oh, upwards of 200 emergency phone calls about the, the explosions. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, years later, the actual the Cuyahoga River would actually catch fire, <laughs> independent of any filmmaking. <laughs> Double Dragon was ahead of its time. Yeah. So now that um, now that they are perceived dead, um, the heat is off them. So they go to the Power Corps headquarters to kind of lay low and to try and uh, help get Marion to help them take on Shuko. Uh, we find out the Power Corps is essentially just a bunch of kids. Um, it's sort of like the foot soldier yeah. hideout in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, so it's a whole bunch of comparison. kids, but no Sam Rockwell giving kids cigarettes. Uh, <laughs> it, it couldn't be perfect. Yeah, right. Uh, this is just some more of Alyssa Milano looking fine as hell. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. Well, we were also there's also this like B plot where Alyssa Milano's father is the chief of police. Right. And he kind of takes bribes, I guess. It's in, it's insinuated that he takes bribes from Shuko. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is a, this is probably when I was taking my notes down about like how to make the movie better. I felt like you could just completely eliminate that plot, and it it wouldn't have made a difference to the movie. Yeah, I don't think that it doesn't really play a part in it. It kind of gives it shows her a little bit of motive her her motivation just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of you know, pivots his, his the chief police character in terms of his I don't want to say redemption it's not that major um, but it it does kind of he does have a, a character shift at the end of it um, uh, and he he is taking bribes but it's he's not like a, he's not evil necessarily evil he's just right. doing what he's doing what he can in this kind of post-apocalyptic town I think they've kind of the police have made the agreement that they're not going to patrol the the gang members activities at night um as long as they keep their activities to the night so you kind of get the the point that he's kind of like a a guy you know holding the bag in a shitty situation right Um, yeah it's it's a good idea in theory but i to me it just felt as if it's it's just an unnecessary plot where it really it has nothing to do with the double dragon yeah they don't it it really could it, it could really lift out. Um, they don't really spend that much time on it either. There's like maybe a couple scenes. Um, yeah, maybe but, three scenes, I think. Yeah. Um, but uh, at Power Core, uh, they are interrogating a Bobo by force feeding him spinach or broccoli, something like that. Um, which yeah, is kind of spinach. It's like that's really playing for the kids, right? Because kids, kids hate spinach. I do hate spinach, though. I've recently become a fan of spinach. I mean, I hate I hate creamed spinach. That, that, okay I'll, with, okay. I'll agree with you on that because it just smells bad. It tastes like <laughs> something you'd find in the garbage disposal. But I digress. <laughs> <laughs> but now, through now this is the interrogation, part of, now is the part of the podcast where we talk about the different kind of spinach. <laughs> this is a spinach podcast. Uh, yeah, it's it's good for you. Yes, yeah. good for the heart and good for the soul. Uh, through this interrogation, they find out where Shuko's office is. Um, so they decide to go sneak into it through the air duct system, a la Die Hard. Um, and 
Marion's plan. This is also where we get uh, more male gaze as she sneaks into the uh, the vent with her ass sticking out in the air. And um, they fight to see who goes behind her. Yeah. Um, her plan is to try and set up um, some sort of uh, fix the payments of the gang so it seemed like one gang is getting more money than the others. Uh, it really does not pay off in what in 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 no way does it pay off. So it's a little weird. It's another thing that's like, all right, why is this even in the movie? Uh, <laughs> well, it needed more shots, of Melissa Milano. Yeah, that's what they yeah. figured out. So they go to they go to the uh, they go to Shuko's office and they eavesdrop on a meeting between Marion's father, the chief of police, and uh, Shuko. And uh, basically, Shuko is is trying to get the her dad to. I'm not like he to let the gangs run wild during the day, I guess. And he'd yeah. pay him handsomely if he, if he does. Um, I should mention, I guess like the Shuko is, is like the richest person in, in the city. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's, he's like a multi-millionaire. Multi-millionaire. Um, so he's got kind of all this disposable income. Um, but her dad doesn't want it said. He's like, he's not taking any more money and any more of his money. Uh, at this moment, uh, Lash realizes that uh, they're eavesdropping, so she uh, she punctures it with a samurai sword, uh, and they fall through, uh, which leads to a fight uh, between his henchmen and uh, Marion and then the Lees. Uh, the Lees get lured down an elevator shaft like a couple of idiots by uh, Shuko just kind of doing an all-lay move with the medallion. Um, they fall down the elevator shaft, uh, and then Marion does some kind of uh, shimmy move around him and jumps down with them. They wind up in like some sort of morgue um, where Shuko is is creating a mutant army that he can possess. So he possesses a couple of bodies using uh, some special effects that are similar, but much, much worse than the, the effects in Terminator 2. Um, he turns into like a paper man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a moment when he turns into sort of a liquid metal, um, but uh, again, much worse than in Terminator 2. Uh, they fight some mutants. Uh, eventually, Jimmy gets captured as Billy and Marion escape. Um, then we get a reporting on the news, Channel 69 News. Nice, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. Reporting major violence by the gangs during the daytime. Uh, the cops are helpless and cowards, except for Marion's dad, who is uh, who jumps into his armored truck to try and do something. He's going to Shuko's place, I guess. Yeah, uh, he takes a stand. Stay, takes a stand. Uh, Shuko tells Lee, it tells uh, Jimmy that he killed the father over the medallion. I think the father wanted to put it in a museum, and Shuko was like, "Hell no! I could get so many powers with that shit." Um, and yeah. he has to kill. I think that's father. the actual dialogue, right? Yeah, I get so many powers with that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, then Marion and Billy are back at the Power Core hideout, and they have a moment, and they almost kiss. And right before they kiss, the gang breaks into the Power Core hideout. Total um, Total cock block, which yep. is our second meeting of the mailman. He comes <laughs> back. <laughs> but he doesn't have any cool quips. or He does not. Um, but who does have a pretty good quip is Lash as yeah. she faces off with Alyssa Milano. She says, now who's the boss? <laughs> Perfect sense. <laughs> 
Then we oh. cut to a Bobo who is chained up in the bathroom. Oh, but this is great. He, he has an emotional scene for some reason. He he was totally getting ready to rub one out. You know that. Oh yeah, that little like, that picture of the swimsuit model. Yeah, he, there was a little, there's a picture of a swimsuit model on the um excuse me on the mirror in the bathroom, and he he takes it out and he you even hear the little hmm, and you, you know, something's about to happen. He, a, a Bobo is getting ready to have some Bobo time. Yeah, and, uh, and catches himself in the mirror, and he's like, "Oh my god, how did he never see himself before that? <laughs> how did he well, just not look not down? Yeah. Just these like these like lumps, right? Yeah. You would feel that at the very least. If yeah. there is one character that does not deserve an emotional scene in this movie, though, it's a Bobo. Yeah, yeah. he has no character development, or he should not have. He's a big dumb idiot. And this is his character. This is his character turn. Is that this moment is when he decides that he's not going to be on the team of the person that turned him into this monster. Yeah, I I laughed out loud when they cut to the close shot of him and you see the tear going down the face <laughs> of the really really bad suit. It's so odd. Um, so then um, we cut back to more fighting and just random scenes of people fighting, but then. Alyssa Milano gets a gets a quote off on Christina, whatever her name is. Wagner. Wagner. And what she say? Uh, about, you're lucky. Generally, I put people in the hospital. Hospital. Yeah. Oh, so, I didn't oh. hear that. That's a good one. Yeah. 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 That's like such a cat off. You know, like yeah. you'd be more bitchy. <laughs> Basically. So they tie up Lash. And for some reason, some random person just elbows her in the face when she's <laughs> tied up and she gets knocked out it's actually a good reaction to the punch for a kid's movie this is real good uh hitting defenseless women in the face right in the face right uh, for a kid's movie mark myers yeah. <laughs> then yes, jimmy this, returns the, the bug guy and then yeah it's real good anyway <laughs> it's real good it's <laughs> gonna be that's going to be the quote oh. on the Instagram post. It's real good. Yeah, again, once again, Mark Myers condoning hitting a defenseless woman. It's real it's, good. It's real good. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, it's like when they uh, cut out the quote from the Brian Grubb review of the TV show 911, where he makes a sarcastic comment that's the best show on television. <laughs> and then they cut it out and put it in the ad, best show on television, uprocks.com. <laughs> Mark Myers wishes he had four four arms so he could give four thumbs up. Uh, so in the melee, Jimmy comes back, uh, but he's possessed by Shuko, and he kicks Billy's Billy's ass pretty hard, um, yeah. including sticks his foot right into a double dragon arcade machine. Yes, and then he destroys a bunch more. So meta. Yeah. Um, Billy tries to throw away the medallion because he feels like it's just not working, but it comes back to him. And I guess this is that is the the move that turns on the medallion for some reason. Yeah, the yeah. trigger is is that he he thinks he can win without the medallion. Okay. So that's when the medallion works. I don't know what the logic is, but I think that's what they were going for. Sure. Such a, such a strange. Yeah. Um, Jimmy kicks Billy through a wall, but he's unscathed unscathed because of the medallion. Um, and then a, Shuko realizing a bad kick too. Yeah, Shuko th- realizing that he can't hurt Billy while he has the medallion. So realizes he can't hurt Jimmy though while he possesses his body. So he threatens to hurt Jimmy or kill Jimmy unless Billy gives him the medallion, dropping like a a, a sandbag on his head. 
punching bag. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. a punching bag. So right before he does, Billy jumps in the way, um, and he kicks Jimmy's ass until he knocks Shuko out of him. Uh, but they both lose the medallion at that point. Uh, Shuko picks up and combines the two medallions, and it is the most anticlimactic uh, moment of power that we could imagine. Yeah. He turns New Angeles dark, which is kind of cool, but then he just turns into two monster swordsmen that are kind of slow. Yeah, they don't have anything special. Yeah. Yeah. They get their asses kicked. Like, they can't hit the Lees because the Lees are too quick, but the Lees can't, like, hit them with weapons because it just goes right through them. But the Lees can can kick them and punch them. Uh, a Bobo shows up. He breaks out of his chains, and then for some reason he knows that Shuko's weakness is the lights. So Marion uh, works on turning the generator on uh, and turns it on, and for some reason that becomes the weakness of the monsters um, the the Lee brothers kick Bolt swordsmen into each other and they merge them back into Shuko it's kind of like at the end of Time Cop when he kicks one of the guys into his younger self and they all kind of turn into a <laughs> goo. a goo but this just turns back into Robert Patrick so they get the, the Lees get the medallions and they combine them and they get some sweet geese uh, yeah. <laughs> red and blue geese and then yeah, they just beat the shit out of Shuko it's uh, video game accurate yeah yeah. and then Jimmy possesses Shuko's body for some comedy why are you hitting yourself he starts beating up himself um, then the police chief comes in and Jimmy as Shuko writes him a check for 120 million dollars for the New Angeles Police Department and offers himself up for arrest and this is kind of the end where yeah. everybody's happy, the day is saved, and then a Bobo says he wants to be with the he wants to hang out with these guys. He's done fighting, just wants to have a good time, wants to party with these dudes. Uh, and he offers to drive Jimmy, saying yes because he thinks that this is actually Billy possessing a Bobo. Thinks, yeah, this will be hilarious, I guess. And then he finds out that. It's not Billy possessing him. That's really a Bobo. And then they go driving off because of Whoa. how the Bobo drives like Batman. And that's the end of the movie. We get one last shot of the two uh, the two henchmen who are trying to get out of New Angeles. Um, and that's it. Yeah, that's one of their signs says, like, we'll, we'll hench, hench for food. food. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not a great movie. Uh, but no. at the same time, there are some moments that I kind of enjoyed. I like I like Robert Patrick a little more than Dan did. I think his his style is a choice in this movie, no yes. doubt. Um, obviously, probably not his choice, but someone made a art direction or costume des- design of what he had to wear, and that's just that's just great. He looks kind of like Prince. He kind of looks like David Byrne. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he has a he has a little bit of uh, Gary Oldman from Fifth Element. A little bit of that. Uh, a little bit of Grace Jones. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, just yeah. a it's just a mishmash of early '90s shtick. Um, yeah, maybe a little bit of uh, the cat that Paula Abdul danced with. <laughs> uh, it's all it's a whole bunch of a whole bunch of lot a lot of stuff. Yeah, there there were a lot of choices made in the costume department in this movie 
but no, they're really good. I liked Robert Pat- Patrick in it. Obviously, it's a it's it's far from the T one thousand, most definitely. Um, but uh, he's definitely not the worst part. He's definitely not what makes this movie terrible. I'll say. No, I I agree. I don't think he's the worst part at all. If, if anything, it's probably uh, uh, Billy. Yeah, Scott Wolf yeah. is not good in this. Yeah, Scott Wolf is I- too. I don't know. Just too happy-go-lucky throughout the movie. Just, just that just doesn't. I he's mean, I guess surfer. it fits. He's too like it, surfer bro. Yeah, I guess it fits the tone of if you're trying to make a kids' movie based on a video game. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just that you know it's 2019 and everyone's always looking for darker things. But I feel like I said I feel like this movie should have been directed towards a slight not not like an adult um, age group, but a slightly older. Like Mortal yeah. Kombat. Mortal Kombat is not a kid's is not a movie directed at like a ten year old. This no. movie's more directed to a ten year old and Mortal Kombat would come out a year later, but this is like if they hit that kind of like fourteen or fifteen age demographic, that would have made this movie a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, this is more um you know, since it it's always hard with the Nintendo properties, um, because uh things they let come out on that system tend to skew a little bit younger than things like Mortal Kombat and even Street Fighter, um, which I would say would be in that same age group thing as Mortal Kombat mm-hmm. was going for. Um, so it's always that fine line. It, it's like where the the Super Mario Brothers movie got into trouble is because they tried to go a little too older than just, you know, you. I guess maybe CG wasn't as good as it is now, mm-hmm. but there is a, there's a slight story to be told, um, you know, if you try to try to make that a little bit younger um, on the flip side of this. But essentially, they were trying to get all the gags and, you know, um, like I mentioned that they uh, they used the word butthead a couple times oh, um, no, as an insult. Was, that was you like an insult to movie. You know, it was a butthead. You know, instead of like probably if this was a PG-13, he would have called them an ass or something like that. You know, it is a PG-13 movie, actually. Oh, it is. Wow. Yep. OK. But yeah, it was it's a pretty safe PG-13. Yeah, maybe the shit put them over the line. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was it was fine. <laughs> like um, in terms of movies we'd watch on here, like yeah. um, you know the the choices Robert Patrick made of he was a hundred percent into whatever decision he made for that character, you know, and which I think that's a little bit of Dan's problem is that it got old after a while. Um, I don't want to speak for him. I if you want to bring that up, but. Um, I, I, I kind of enjoy when people go for it, even if the movie's terrible. Like, that's why Nick Cage in a lot of his bad films is still entertaining to watch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I'm sorry, I can't get behind no, Robert Patrick's antics in this. Uh, <laughs> he's, again, it, it's, it, I like it at first, but it, it just, it wears thin on me too quickly because he's not that charismatic of an actor. Like a Nicolas Cage, where he—he's he, I mean, known for his batshit craziness. Where Robert Patrick isn't—I don't know what his style of acting is. To be to be fair, so maybe that is how he goes about these things. But I don't, for someone who is supposed to be really into martial arts and that sort of way, he doesn't act it. He's more—he—he's kind of. I guess in the 90s, a lot of the villains were big conglomerate, you know, CEOs and stuff like that. 
Capitalism is the devil. Yeah, so he was just too cartoonish for me. And even in this movie, that's really cartoonish. Uh, I, I thought he, he hammed it up a little bit too much and not in a good way. Okay. Um, let me ask the question. Um, what would you do to make this movie better? Uh, I would definitely get rid of the cop element. Uh, there's no need to, to... To me, there was really no reason to have Alyssa Milano's father be the co- the sheriff or the chief of police. Uh, you could just have Alyssa Milano be the head of the power corps. And the, it wouldn't have made much of a difference. Um, I also don't know if I would have kept it in a post-apocalyptic world. I think if you just kept it in the real world, it would have been just fine. I don't understand why you needed to have... Well, I guess because of the, the Roman gangs. But it's not like there weren't gangs in Los Angeles ever. Um, either either way, I don't think that really makes a huge difference. But maybe... Maybe instead of having Robert Patrick being this... Like, he's very hands-on with it. I think it would have been better just to have them going up against different gangs throughout the city. You know, like, while they're, while they're trying to escape. Almost like an endgame, where they're trying to escape the city. Mm-hmm. So maybe have them going through the gangs, and Robert Patrick is the shadow figure pulling the strings instead of him being in the forefront. He could have been almost like a Dr. Claw, if, if you will. <laughs> uh, what, what was the, uh, the evil, right? What was the, the organization that Dr. Claw ran? I think so. Something like that. So yeah, I, I think it would have been cool to have him as a shadow figure and him just kind of pulling out all the stuff, like having his henchmen go to get and then he's the final boss or whatever. But I, because I, he's he's a CEO of a, we, we don't know what the hell kind of corporation, right? Right. But I, I think he does everything because his name pops up on a lot of stuff in so, like, real quick. But would you really think of him as being the guy who goes out into the field no. and gets his hands dirty? No, right? So I think it would have been cool to have him behind the scenes pulling the strings and them going up against guys like a, a Bobo and, you know, the clowns or whatever. And the, the power core is there to kind of assist them at times. So Alyssa Milano is kind of, she's not always present, but she she pops in from time to time with some helpful information. Yeah, I think my, my only improvement really, and I think it goes a little bit with uh, Anthony's complaint um, about it needing to be a little bit older. So you could have just stuck a little bit closer to the actual story of the games, which is just them going after one of the gangs. Like um, yeah, yeah. I, w- I was looking it up. Like um, the the plot of the of the first game is essentially the Lees know some special type of mar- martial arts, and the head of one of the gangs wants it, so they kidnap Marion uh, to get them to turn it over, and then they just fight through that gang uh, to get to him, and has a final boss battle with this guy that's more of a behind the scenes type yeah. of person that wants power. Um, I think uh, I think as I said in the beginning with the having the mysticism. You know, with the double dragons thing, uh, with the you know the two medals and all that stuff, was much more because it was geared to kids and it gives them. I don't even know if I'm using the term right, but sort of a, a, a MacGuffin thing to look at. Like those, those, those medals are what's important, not the actual plot. And it's easier for kids eight to ten to follow that right. than you know than telling the story of a kidnapped woman, revenge taken type story. I think that would have been a pretty good story as well. Yes, that, yeah, that instead is of the maybe story. fighting all of the gangs or just going through the one gang, and it could have been led by Robert Patrick. That would have been fine, but have him as 
the guy pulling the strings, not him constantly showing up. And is it, it to me, it doesn't make sense that a CEO would go to their domicile and attack them. You know, why not just send their henchmen? Well, I think and it only because it takes him a while to reveal it. Um, I think it's because he knows them. Um, it's the only reason he goes to the to the house because he killed their father and he knew Satari and all that. I think that's the only I believe. And then he just gets power hungry from there, you know. Because yeah. He, okay. Yeah. But uh, again, you know, it's a lot, probably a lot more simple than that. That they just needed Robert Patrick to be the front and center thing in all this because he had the name, you know. Sure. Yep. Uh, so for things that I would have done. Uh, I w- like I said, I would aim for a slightly older audience. Um, and I, I would have just ripped off countless other martial art movies. Um, have the, the tournaments play a bigger role in it. I mean, this is yeah. before mortal Kombat, but like they totally could have done, they could have totally r- ripped off kickboxer or blood sport. I was thinking um, blood sport. Yeah. It would have been just very easy. <laughs> to do that to make it a little more interesting and then maybe you have them have to fight each other at the end to win you know like uh like the movie which, warrior that mma yeah. movie with tom hardy yeah which is actually the the end of the game they uh fight each other for marion's affection see there you go and then yeah. you can have maybe robert robert patrick as like the 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 guy that runs it or something and he's yeah. shady as fuck yeah. or something um maybe maybe he kidnaps her because he wants jimmy to to throw a fight or something like that yeah yeah like a like an over-the-top thing yeah without robert loja yes <laughs> r as in robert, robert loja <laughs> oh as in robert loja hey look over there it's robert loja <laughs> uh okay so question one last question for you guys and we can wrap it up Sure. Uh, you have to make a video game movie based on one NES game. What is that game? One NES game. Mm-hmm. Like so, just n- not Super Nintendo, Nintendo. Not Super Nintendo, regular Nintendo. Oh, uh, I, I guess the easiest would be Legend of Zelda, right? I mean, that hasn't been made yet, but I I wouldn't trust anyone to make a good Legend of Zelda game. Yeah. Uh how are, do you want like a deep dive? If you got a deep dive answer, uh, man, I, I mean, I could go super silly with like Bubble Bubble, but that would that would be such a shit movie. Uh, is Kid Icarus NES or is that Super NES? That's NES. That's NES. You could do a mythological type of movie, Kid Icarus. Cool. Maybe he's a dis, you know he's a descendant of the gods and he has to, I don't know, save Olympus. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'll go with that. I'll go with Kid Icarus. <laughs> Mark? Yeah, so the first one that, that pops at the top of my head, um, which might be um, a little bit obvious that I have to look up the uh, the story behind it, but would be you could do in the same vein of this movie is to do like a River City Ransom <laughs> game. Um, you know, like all them beat-em-ups really play into that. But um, I, I, I think for me, uh, you could... You could definitely do, um, but would you do CGI? Because you could, you could have fun with a Battletoads movie, you know. Okay. Um, I'd be terrified like a, of what they would look like, though. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like you could have, you could have fun with that. Uh, I don't know if River City Ransom has, you know, an actual plot. Um, 
to the point where you can make it into a good movie. Um, and you probably played it a lot more than I did, but um, yeah, because the obvious one is Zelda. Um, yeah. You know, and and you, you you could probably make more of a movie off the Super Nintendo version than the NES version, um, just because there's more of a story there because you had more memory to tell a story on yeah. on the cartridge. But yeah, yeah, I I probably go. I'd like to see a CGI uh, Battletoads movie. Okay. Okay. Did Did you have one out? I do have one. Okay. Um, Maniac Mansion. Oh yeah. Uh, Ghosts and Goblins too. Ghosts and Goblins. No, Maniac Mansion would be my pick. Yeah. Um, it'd be kind of like a, almost like a, I guess like a Scooby Doo sort of movie. Yeah. Um, that's what it is. Yeah. It's kind of a bunch of kids, teens running around a haunted house. Um, that was that was probably like top five, maybe even top three video game for me in, on the NES. Um, I I think I might have played that more than any other game. Um, it's I never fun. Even heard of the game. Oh man, it's a yeah. it's a Lucas Lucas uh, art game. Yeah, yeah and apparently it's a point and click. A point and click. Yeah, um, yeah, and apparently because again the memory issues I was talking about that if you, that the better story because they can do more with it is the PC version at the time. You uh, know, because they have more. You know, you can do more dialogue and more stuff like that on the personal computer than the NAS sure. could do. But the game, the game is exactly the same. Yeah, you know? no, that's a great game. Um, I'm pretty sure I have one of the versions that you could microwave the hamster. Jesus. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, no, it was that kind of game. It uh, comes back. We've come full circle. Death oh, yeah. of an animal. Death of an animal. That's yeah. what the world runs on. The blood of animals. And it has yeah. for centuries and will will for centuries. Fucking psychos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and one and one thing that popped in my head, and uh, only because I partially know the game, but um, back in the time frame of the late '80s, early '90s, you could make some kind of story out of the game Skate or Die, uh, basically like a, a skateboarding game back then. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I don't know if that actually has some kind of story behind it or if it's just like like a uh, California game sort of thing. Uh-huh. But just the idea of a movie called Skate or Die. Sure. You know, you could do a lot with. Yeah. Track and Field 2. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so good you didn't need to see Track and Field 1. <laughs> it's like the History of the World Part 2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, I guess that's going to uh, wrap it up for this episode. Do you guys have any parting shots before we uh, get into our, our goodbyes? At the movie? Yeah. Um, I miss T one thousand Robert Patrick. <laughs> I want I want more of that. Yeah. Yeah, and the uh, uh, the best I can say is that this is one of the times when I can almost assuredly say that the movie we're comparing this to is going to be much better because just because of the sheer fact that people making video game movies nowadays, uh, you know actually have played these games and grew up with them so it's not you know it's just going to be better on that surface so uh, it's not going to be like oh it's a kung fu thing but it's mysticism but it's the warriors you know with detective pikachu they know what they're telling with that story and you know it's kind of fun to live in this day and age when there's so much care taken to those type of you know the comic book video game you know the, the things we grew up on Okay. Uh, question mark. Are you yeah. into Are you into Detective Pikachu? Not Pokemon, but I do want to see the movie. 
Okay. I was just surprised the way that yeah. last that last statement from you. Uh, I, yeah. I think Endgame beats it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, there's not enough not enough Pokemon fans for that. But it, it's it's a oh, great I comparison. I don't I think Pokemon's huge. I don't think their fan base is the problem. I just think Endgame's just the force. Yeah. 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 I mean, all of Japan would love Detective Pikachu. I mean, yeah, it's, some... it's created in Japan. Somebody made a great comparison. Um, the day the Sonic trailer came out, it was like having the Sonic trailer play the week before the Detective Pikachu movie comes out is like Fox's decision to put the Dark Phoenix trailer on before Endgame. It's just sort of like, here's these movies of the same like ilk and genre, but one is doing it much better than the other. You know, it, yeah, yeah. it's it, it, the uh, just the I, I think it's because. I can watch Ryan Reynolds in just about anything. Oh, that's right. You're like a Ryan Reynolds stan. I like Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Um, Is that what every- stan means? It's like a fan? Yeah, super. Yeah. Sort of uh, you're going to have to explain that to me some other time. I have no fucking clue. It's why like Eminem stan. stan. Oh, okay. That's a little bit like of a, a crazed yes. fan. All right. Yeah. That's yeah. fine, then. I'll buy but, it. But yeah, I think they made a... Um, I'm excited to see it. Um, I don't know if I'll go opening night um, like this Friday or anything. Well, this but is a possibly opening night movie for you. Not I out of the realm that. of possibility. Yeah, if, if it wasn't Mother's Day weekend, I would think about it. Opening wow. weekend. Look at that. The only yeah. thing standing in the way of Mark seeing this opening weekend That's is true. a Hallmark holiday devoted to his love of his mom. Yes. Otherwise, yes. he'd be there probably Thursday night. <laughs> yes, midnight showing. There go my other. We're learning so much about Mark today. <laughs> None of it great. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not at all. General Hospital and Ryan Reynolds. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, but it's not like I don't have a history of seeing terrible movies on opening night. At least in your opinion, you know, I have seen the last three Fast and the Furious movies on opening weekend. Look, so I have, I have not seen a single. Fast and the Furious movies, so I have zero opinion of Fast and the Furious. <laughs> However, you've gone on record as saying Fast Five. It's the best action movie of the last 20 years. Yes. And I find that hard to believe. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. They, they drag a bank vault through Rio de Janeiro. That's oh, all I've seen like. the trailer. I've seen the trailer. <laughs> but right, moving anyway, on. <laughs> anyway, all right, you guys got any pluggables? Yes, uh, the Twitters that uh, I do... Um, my personal Twitter, dAquino122. I'm currently arguing on whether or not uh, Doctor Strange is a wizard or a sorcerer. I'm leaning more towards sorcerer, but I'm being told yes. he's a wizard. Well, I mean, he's the sorcerer supreme, so... Yeah, in the... In, if I, I saw that, so uh, I guess it depends on the, the, the Dungeons and Dragons uh, yeah. definition. It, the Dungeons yeah. & Dragons definition is sorcerers, the power comes from within. You're born with it. It's like in your blood. A wizard is someone who studies magic. Um, sort of like the, you know, he has, you know, someone that can do all the incantations and knows all the, you know, knows how to do the glyphs and all that. That's a that's a wizard in D&D. A sorcerer is a guy that just one day shoots his hand out and, like, a fireball shoots out. I mean, essentially... In Doctor Strange, everyone has the capability of doing these magical uh, glyphs, but yeah, they do need to read about it. 
but it, it, it's within mm. us. That's what the Ancient One says. I guess that, it's a mixture, then? Uh, I think so. If anything, I would say so. But they call him the Sorcerer Supreme, yeah. so I'm, yeah, cause, I'm going cause, that. Yeah, because the Sorcerer, that's how you learn your spells. You just learn your spells. If you yeah. were a wizard in D&D land, you would literally, as they do in Critical Role, you would have to literally go buy paper, and write, it down. write down the spell, you know, take the time to do all that right. to be able to use the spell. So, well, I'm right. This person's wrong. Yeah, but, I mean, he's probably uh, more sorcerer me. than wizard, but he he's probably a mixture of both. Yeah, agree to disagree, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so you can follow me there, D D Aquino one twenty two. You could also follow our Stranger Damies account at Stranger Damies, where you know we post fun pictures of our sessions, where we also post artwork from uh, our good friend Anthony and my wife Jen, who are the artists of the group. Uh, She's much better than me, though. You guys are both good. It's, uh, it's just two different styles. That's all it is. I, I can't draw worth a lick, so I'm jealous of both of you. Uh, my, my characters would just be kind of like stick figure-ish. <laughs> Maybe I'll do that one day. But Yeah, uh, that's pretty much what we do. I also argue... Well, I don't really argue, but I talk to lich kings and dwarves and like all other weird shit on there <laughs> that's not a very good plug for our twitter but yes. if you like artwork and seeing how we do behind the scenes kind of stuff it's it's fun we, we uh we're very do-it-yourself as yeah. our last picture showed dan, dan, dan has been able to find a section of twitter that i didn't even know about which is weird D twitter <laughs> <laughs> like i i know weird twitter i got a lot of tendrils in weird twitter I didn't know there was weird D and D Twitter, and you seem to have found it. Well, what's that? Uh, what's that one rule? If if there's something out there, pop culture, there's a uh, pornographic film about it. Was that yeah. rule thirty four or something rule like that? Rule thirty four, yeah. Yeah. So me acting like I don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> it's got to be the same way on Twitter, right? If there's a niche out there, there's a Twitter verse for it. Yeah. So. I'm assuming there's a lot more crazy shit out there than just D&D Twitter. All right, yeah. Uh, uh, Mark. Yep, so off the Mark tweet. Um, not much exciting goes on there except the discussion of me and my friend who is a Tennessee Titans fan laughing at the fact that um, the Cowboys may give Dak Prescott $30 million. That was the big thing going on today. Um, and then also, you know, we post... Uh, Stranger Damies every Wednesday, um, so be sure to download, uh, you know, subscribe to the podcast there, give us five-star reviews, all that good stuff. We're just starting our, it would have aired yesterday, you know, the uh, the last session before the one we just did this weekend. So um, it opens uh, with the the aftermath of, of the end of the last session when you, you found out that the uh, Mirror Man had been with you for your entire your entire journey so far inside the uh, tree. So it'd be great. fun. So yeah, be sure to uh, check that out. Great, great, great. Uh, yeah, so that's going to wrap it up for us. This is They Called This a Movie. You can find us on any podcast streaming app, uh, just searching They Called This a Movie. They Called This a Movie.podbean.com is our main podcast site. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Facebook and Instagram at the main Damien. That's where we post our articles as well as, uh, as links to our 
podcast. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, you want to ask us, uh, maybe you have a movie you want us to review uh, coming up, uh, you could hit us up on themaindamy at gmail.com. Um, I'm at, at AntDelVec on Twitter. That's my personal Twitter account. Um, as mentioned at the top of the show, uh, we are now affiliated with Geek Vibes Nation, um, who are super busy all the time. They're always putting out uh, at least one episode of podcast a day. I think they just did a released a, uh, a new podcast about the NBA playoffs, as well as reviews of uh, Game of Thrones episodes. Uh, will be popping up uh, sometime soon on some some shows from there. Um, I don't think they've done a Geeks Against the Grain in a while. That was kind of the one that we were uh, planning to do, but uh, maybe they'll uh, be coming back soon with that. Um, but they're at gvnation.com, and uh, you can find them on basically every social media platform. But if you just search Geek Vibes Nation, they should pop right up. Um, and uh, that's that's uh, that's how you're going to get in contact with all of us. Um this movie was Double Dragon from 1994, directed by James Yukich. Yukich? I think that's what it is. Or Yukich. Um, so, for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Del Vecchio telling James Yukich to go fuck himself.